So here we are. Um, we're back. Hope everyone's having a great summer. We've been off for about a month and you've been traveling the world. Well, not the world, Europe, at least. Where, where yeah. were you? Holland. And where else did you say you were at? Holland? Uh, well, we did a stopover in London and London. Right. Right. Yeah. And then we ended up in Holland for uh, a wedding and then just seeing some, some, some sightseeing and that's good. I think I saw like the first day that you were there, the prime minister of, of the Netherlands resigned. Was that in your headspace? Did you guys see that? Was that a big deal or? It, it, well, it was a big deal. It, we didn't talk about it that much, but it yeah. did get brought up because we were, we, we, uh, at one, we walked by the parliament building cause it's in, uh, Den Haag. And so uh, we okay. walked by there and, uh, 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 it got pointed out and in my limited capacity to understand Dutch, I figured it out. <laughs> yeah. But it just was seemed, it, it just seemed, uh, bizarre to hear the guy just to quit. Yeah. It's That's a little, yeah. little different than, uh, I think other countries, well, European countries, the, the prime ministers and presidents, they sort of quit and then, or the government dissolves. I, I can never understand that in, in Great Britain. The government dissolves and they have a new one, but the same guy gets to be prime minister <laughs> again. It's like, yeah. well, what just happened? Or a vote of no confidence. I like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great, that should be a workplace thing. You know, you're sitting in a meeting. And oh, yeah. Someone says, I would like to suggest a vote of no confidence <laughs> for Greg's abilities to lead this team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's a special place in the office for you that you, they take you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's all, be, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I'll say it'd be great even at dinner parties. Vote of no confidence for someone who's speaking or vote of no confidence. <laughs> you got a vote of no confidence in this topic that this person has now spent <laughs> an half an hour on. That's like a <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm episode or something. <laughs> but yeah, I think that shows life has changed. I mean, I don't know how long it takes for people to understand that and to kind of see it and to get in the flow of that. You know, um, it really, it sounds scary at first, but then it's kind of, there's, there's some freedom in that, right? Uh, what sort of flow freedom are you, do, do you speak of? Just, um, freedom from that. You're, you're trying to resist the idea that things change. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And if once you see, it's like, oh yeah, that changed or that's different now. Of course. What was yeah. I expecting? You know? Right. And I think that must come back to that effortless word that you like so much. Yeah. Effortlessness. But uh, so I think uh, I was listening to the last time uh, we're still on yeah. the topic of, and it's a long topic. It's not our fault. Actualizing special insight. Special insight. Yeah. And let's see, I have page 28 yeah, yeah. Of Those the, who do not meditate with wisdom—that's I think that's where we're we're going next. There we go. Yeah. So that's the uh, the page number, not the PDF number. I think right. if you're looking at the same PDF, it's thirty-seven. It looks like. Right. The page number in that book. Yeah. Yeah. So should we just uh, dive right in and? Yeah. Sure. All right. Welcome back and. Let's, Thank let's you. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these uh, these readings are getting longer and longer and more dense. Yeah. Um. Those who do not meditate with wisdom by analyzing the entity of things specifically, but merely meditate on the elimination of the mental activity, cannot avert conceptual thoughts 
and also cannot realize identitylessness because they lack the light of wisdom. If the fire of consciousness, knowing phenomena as they are, is produced from individual analysis of suchness, then like the fire produced by rubbing wood, it will burn the wood of conceptual thought. The Buddha has spoken in this way. So when you say knowing phenomena as they are, that's meaning as it as it really is. As it really is, as is, okay. as is empty. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Just by the individual analysis of suchness or emptiness. Yeah, I've never heard this uh, rubbing wood analogy. Well, it's kind of, uh, it's, I really like it because he's, he's, um, so if, if you use, if you think of the consciousness as fire, mm. and so you have this blazing consciousness that's focused on an object, but then at the same time that uh, you're focusing on this object and you have some level, some skill level of calm abiding, so your mind is still, and you at the same time start to um, identify, you know, go into insight around, you know, who's doing this thinking, who's doing this seeing, mm. what is the nature of the object I'm looking at, and what starts to happen is the basis of what we thought existed begins to, uh, you could say, disintegrate. And the me that we thought was doing all the meditating and the me that we thought was doing all the thinking and producing thought and all that, and the world that that me is seeing begins to uh, show itself to be, have no basis in reality that we, we thought. It's, it's a it's a projection arising from the mind and the wood. So this consciousness, this fire is, is being produced by this wood and the wood itself is, um, if that fire keeps going, the wood burns away. Mm. I love that. It, so imagine the fire blazing, the wood is burned away. Like what is left? So if you're you're sitting there and you're meditating, you could think of this idea that we we all have. It's it's uh, inherent in us. Uh, we're born with it. We can't help it. We sit there. We're meditating, and uh, we think we're making choices, uh, and we think that there's a me that's controlling, and there's a me that's um, everybody else can see, a me that will last, and it's unidentified um uninvestigated and it just it's the wood <laughs> and then if we can stay in that meditation continuously picking off okay that doesn't exist truly that doesn't exist self-existently and then when you get to the emptiness of the very self that's doing the perceiving then by the nature of that, then what about everything that the self was perceiving? That also falls apart. And then so the basis, which is the wood, it gets dissolved in the fire. And I love this effortlessness, effortlessness word, just by the nature of holding there, mm. the wood disintegrates. And then 
what's left, right? There's a void. But you can't stop existing. You're still there, <laughs> but the wood is gone. But you're free of conceptual thought. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Totally, totally free. Like, it seems to me every waking moment, every yeah. waking thought, every action that I do has a, is enwrapped in a concept. Yeah. With, yeah. Without, almost without exception, unless you do meditate and you're, yeah. you're thinking about this. And the, the idea of non-conception uh, continues to blow me away. But is it, is it saying then that you would be completely free of conceptual? Well, I don't, it, it's, I think they're saying that you watching. could eventually be completely free, but it maybe like the first time you wouldn't be completely free mm. because the wood would reappear. <laughs> <laughs> right you maybe have a, you'd have a moment and you could th you, th you could think of the wood as is ignorance itself perhaps um and uh it that i think it's very tricky this whole non-conceptual idea because it is immediately yeah. you, you can twist, twist your ankle on that right away walking down the street you know it's like non-conceptual and uh you can't put your finger on it by definition so you can't you can't and yeah. so the mind is always perceiving and then i think how it can be understood is in various degrees of where you know where we have you could say you know if if we're having a moment in our life when we're really engrossed in a mental affliction like let's just say we have a jealousy attack mm. you know then you could say you're like really conceptualizing <laughs> you know it's like conceptualizing on overdrive jealousy i am jealous that person there's a whole story about this person who did this thing that made me jealous and i am jealous and you know you're telling your friends that they did you wrong and it's like you're and everything's just oozing with conceptual reality yeah. and then let's just say you take one step you take one step further back and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. That's studying. That's meditating. Oh, okay. I'm having jealousy arrive that I am, I experience a wind. I experience an energy. I'm, I'm labeling it jealousy and I'm putting the, that story onto something else. Then it's like, okay, it's still conceptual, sure, but it's way less conceptual. It's way less conceptualized and, and hardened and then so you take that all the way back 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 until finally you, e you reach this I'm, I'm hooked on this effortlessness word you reach this uh state of just raw effortless perception where uh, you live without being trapped by the past or the future and then you can just experience uh without it's like how does Alan Walls put it really nicely? Uh, you can you can know the color red without the word red. Right, we were, that was what we were talking about last time. Yeah. So it, it seems like it would be pretty obvious that this is happening too. Yeah. In the final stage, and and maybe yeah. there's even uh, sort of a, a dawning of lucidity or clarity, um, because it it seems like it'd just be so easy just to even even if you if you're sitting there in, in a purely non-conceptual state. The minute you think, oh, I'm in a non-conceptual state, well, that's a concept. It's, it's over. 
It's over. Yeah, it's over immediately. It's <laughs> over immediately. And, uh, and that's why I think we're going to be talking about this more as this chapter goes by where he's, uh, he's really gets on that. Like it doesn't like sitting in a non-conceptual state and being able to stay there with wisdom on your mind, you know, is not the same as just having a break sure. from your mental affliction. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, have, that's the wood burning. I'm going to have to try that. I was, uh, stacking wood winter is coming oh i got the first cord stacked i have one more left to go but i'm gonna think of the pieces of firewood as conceptual thoughts yeah that i'm setting aside yeah and then you can uh, light them on fire in the in the winter and just watch them disappear yeah yeah <laughs> okay yeah. yes next verse next verse um The cloud of jewel, Arya Sutra, also states, one skilled in discerning the faults engages in the yoga of meditation of emptiness in order to get rid of all conceptual elaborations. Such a person, due to his or her repeated meditation on emptiness, when they thoroughly search for the object and the identity of the object, which delights the mind, and distracts it, realizes them to be empty. When that very mind is also examined, it is realized to be empty. When the identity of what is realized by the mind is thoroughly sought, this too is realized as empty. Realizing in this way, one enters into the yoga of signlessness. This shows that only those who have engaged in complete analysis can enter into the yoga of signlessness. Complete analysis means you're examining emptiness all the way down. All the way down. Like Object, mind, the mind that's being examined. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, um, I think uh, like a great kind of example of that is when uh, you engage in a shamatha practice and you're mind is getting more and more and more still and you get right down to the very you know basis of your experience as a human you could say mm. before you're something else you know and in meditation because you've practiced so hard and if i think the mistake here is that you could get really zoned, kind of almost zoned out, but very, very at peace. And uh, someone might think that they're a signless meditator because mm. so they're in a state of peace, you know. Uh, but they're not a signless meditator because unless they have successfully analyzed, like you said, the nature of how appearances to the mind and the mind itself are arising. So it's not over. Like it's it's not over at succeeding at calm abiding. And you can't say you're a soundless meditator. Mm. You know, because I think he, he he seems to be on this theme right now saying, listen, reaching perfect shamatha is just not enough. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're you're some like hot signless meditator. Mm -hmm. Um so okay. there's no, yeah. 
and it seems like at this point in the process when you're realizing the emptiness of the mind and the self and all of that it's it's kind of the it's a potential off-ramp into Dzogchen. Oh, yeah. Um, right. Like this isn't, uh, this is a developmental text of meditate more and then do the shamatha and then these emptiness meditations of Vipassana. But where Dzogchen is like taking the result, right? That's, that's where you start. And the information that is being given right now is you could start from that point. I mean, this just sounds like Longchenpa at this point. Right. Yeah. Launching into Dzogchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, has to be, you know. Yeah, has to be. It, it's interesting. This whole you'd think that at some point or another, whether a practitioner knows it or not, if they manage to go through all these hoops, and you know, they would enter Zogchen, mm-hmm. whether it was known, whether it was called Zogchen or not, uh, just because of the result that they would achieve. Right. You know, naturally, it's just I think having a teacher. And pointing it out and saying, "Okay, this is great. Now, now go in that direction." Yeah, so just speed what, it up exponentially. Just really, which which way you're looking at it, mm-hmm. from the beginning or the end. I don't think there's any other. Just trying to think really quick. Is there any other thing you can think of in life that's like that? Like if you were a concert pianist, you you would have to, and you're trying to play something like uh, some Rachmaninoff, you know, some really hard piece. You you'd have to continually work at it and developmentally do it. You just couldn't say one day, I'm just going to play it all the way through. Excellent. And then we, yeah, it would be impossible. I don't think that there's any, there's any other uh, comparison really, which makes Sokchen so unique. Mm-hmm. saying, take, take the end result. You really can't do that. And maybe you're studying to be an architect. You just can't say, okay, let me take the end result, even though you haven't, you know, learned all the things you need to learn. Mm-hmm. But here we, we can show you that. They, and it's it's kind of part of, like I was saying, it's, you, at this point, you could take the off-ramp into Dzogchen and mm-hmm. understand what they're talking about. Yeah, get a glimpse, as they say. A glimpse, yeah. Just that shard of light from Rigpa, of Rigpa. Mm-hmm. That's a great word, glimpse. Yeah. And I think we're going to see over and over again here. He's going to he's going to keep saying that, um, you know, these glimpses uh, they uh, turn into you know sight, right? Mm. You know, they turn into. Uh, but you know, uh, what was interesting about what you were saying about the whole uh, hammering the piano, uh, and what is uh, interesting correlation there is, again, back to this word effortlessness is you know, when you reach a certain state uh, in meditation and you reach this fl- free flow, practiced ease, uh, you, you do reach a certain place that, you know, you no longer, and, and in fact, it becomes an obstacle if you're hammering the keys and trying to fix everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I think as a, as a pianist at that level, you couldn't just sit back and not play for a week. You'd have to play that piece. Yeah all the time you know your fingers would lose their would lose their path on the piano yeah. where is here we're trying to get to that place where we're just dropping everything yeah we're dropping everything and getting to that thing that we actually are so then that effortlessness is is just there as a natural state 
Yeah. I remember reading an article about a, a woman that was a classical pianist, one of the top in the world and getting ready for a concert. She rehearsed, but she, when she wasn't physically playing, she was playing the piece over and over in her mind Yeah, and watching her fingers do it in her mind and going through every section and knowing every last second of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I've said this before. I think that's an, a perfect correlation to the work that we're doing here. If you think you can just kind of slough in and come in every once in a while, yeah, maybe you can do some uh, boogie woogie or something, but you're not going <laughs> to not gonna be at Carnegie Hall anytime soon. No, isn't that true? And I think a real danger there is uh, where people experience, uh, well, I've had this before myself, is spiritual materialism. Like you mm. don't, you don't realize the thing you're working on. You just want more. Yeah. And so you just, you just bounce off the surface and you're wondering what's the next teaching. Right, give me something else. So yeah, we did some. We just did loving kindness for a few weeks. I think I got it. Yeah. Know, what's next? Six perfections. Okay, I think I, I know what they are. Okay, what's next? Yeah. And you just, you just, all you're really doing is putting, filling up a binder full of pages, right? And you get a glimpse or something, yeah. and you think, yeah. oh yeah, I'm there. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna start a cult. <laughs> Make some real money. <laughs> that's real money this buddhism stuff these guys are all broke i've i've had it with not being in a netflix series let's get a cult going <laughs> all right here we go <clears throat> it has been explained very clearly that through mere elimination of mental activity without examining the identity of things with wisdom it is not possible to engage in non-conceptual meditation See, he's saying it over and over again. No. Thus, concentration is done after the actual identity of things like physical form and so forth has been perfectly analyzed with wisdom and not by concentrating on physical form and so forth. Right. So just focusing on a, an object without, without actually analyzing, it's not going to take not you away. Concentration is also not done by abiding between this world and the world beyond because physical forms and so forth are not perceived, right? So, yeah, you're not going to get there by being uh, in the form, formless realm or something or form realm because physical, or, or just because they're not there, right? Uh, it is thus called the non-abiding concentration. Such a practitioner is then called a meditator of supreme wisdom because by specifically examining the identity, identity of all things with wisdom, they have perceived nothing. <laughs> I love it when they do that. Um, this is as stated in the Space Treasure, Arya Sutra, and the Jewel in the Crown, Arya Sutra, and so forth. Very nice. Is this called the non-abiding concentration? What are we talking about when we say abiding and non-abiding? You see that phrase a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they get to you with the negatives, right? This is called a non-abiding concentration. I think that's, um, you ever heard of uh, the meditation of non-meditation? Right. You know, like there's meditation without an object. Uh, it's a very attractive idea to people. You know, you, but you have to meditate like crazy to actually do a meditation of non-meditation. To do a non-meditation, you have to have meditated for years before you can do a non-meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so it's um, 
So what he's pointing at over and over again here is analyzing everything that comes up in the mind to the point where you can rest in non-abiding concentration or non-meditation. So you're resting without an object. And yet, and you've, you've gotten there through your practice of uh, wisdom, looking at things with wisdom. And I think it's kind of funny because he's, I think pretty soon he's going to talk about like, and if you're doing this and you become dull or agitated, like anybody that's at this level, I don't think they're struggling too much, you know, getting to sit down and being distracted and dull and stuff like that. They're, they're on it. Who's ever, who's ever doing these practices, they're on it, you know? Um, So this, um, this meditator who who's reached this place, uh, they have seen like through analysis that the mind and the objects that the, it perceives are empty of true existence, and therefore they can do that meditation without a sign or non-conceptual meditation. Uh, I said, it's a lofty goal, you know. Uh, the mind is is so uh, addicted and used to just perceiving an object even even to the point of not being aware that the me right the self is an object like you you have to get so still and so deep that you begin to understand and know that the meditator is also a quote unquote outside object you're getting so deep and so spacious that even the me you think you are becomes an outside object sure that's sort of the you're right then at the line between uh, subject and object yeah subjectivity and objectivity yeah you're you're looking at it from both angles you're seeing both sides very clearly yeah yeah and then uh like you were saying earlier you know then 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 going to work you know you know you've just cranked that in meditation and maybe you've been meditating an hour a day for years you know and then you you hit this place and then you get up and go do your job you know and you're living in that perceived reality and you're not identifying with anything and yet there you are at the play right at, at this play evolution at work and it just so happens that you're not being uh like it's you could say you're not being bothered you know you're not being afflicted by you know gossip or whatever it is you know something you're not being afflicted by a success or a failure you're just like you were saying earlier right you're there to serve yeah you're there to serve and um if you can keep that perspective yeah then you can sort of that's almost again zogchen approach it's yeah. not just seeing it from that perspective but sort of getting that pointing out instructions you have it you're holding on to it and then it's like the tiger you're riding a tiger you got it by the scruff of the neck and, and here comes some gossip and here comes some, you know, some mental, <laughs> some jealousy or something. But you're hanging on. You're you're maintaining that view, and you know, then 
you, you let go and the fall off and the tiger devours you again. And yeah, but yeah, I think it's, it's a fun ride and, but there's, I mean, it all goes down to this idea of letting go, right? You just let yeah. go of all that stuff. And if you truly can, <clears throat> I think you really know, you know, when you have, and it's not just a one time thing, right? Well, I've let go of my past and now everything's good. Well, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll find, you'll find out. You'll find out soon enough. Yeah. And I speak from experience, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, me too. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, it gets down to the point where that's when you can start to say that your whole uh, 24-7, uh, depending on what happens at sleep, but you could say for most, you know, your day, your, your walking day life is, is all practice yeah. Uh, because all your really, like your main motivation, your main concern is what is my mind doing? Like mm -hmm. how, what, how am I assuming, how, what am I, uh, yeah, what's my position in, in relation to what my mind is showing me? And how am I getting stuck? Am I yeah. getting, am I, am I over conceptualizing? Am I, you know, and then you, you do your tasks all day. And then each day is one more day that, yeah, sure. You made, you went to work maybe you made some money. Maybe you lose that money. Who knows? But it's in Buddhism, it's kind of beside the point. You know, it's beside the point. What's, what's important is how aware were you all day? Yeah. Did you get snagged anywhere? And if so, you can bounce back. And then every day at work is an opportunity to see, okay, am I fooled? Did I, was I fooled again? Yeah. How selfless was I? Yeah. How selfless was he? Yeah. Nicely. And man, how are you going to do that if you don't meditate every day? Yeah. Pretty well, hard. You got you to do it. Some people are good people, naturally, inherently, you know, most of us have to kind of work at it a little bit. Um, I think in the, the times we're living right now, especially, you know, this summer, just all of these climate disasters throughout the world, one after another. Mm -hmm. And um, just the general, I mean, <laughs> sort of always been this way, I suppose you could look historically, but it seems like there's something else, you know, there's some urgency now. And, and I sense that in a lot of people, yeah. you know, there's almost like this thought, well, the world's going to end. So dot, 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 whatever their thought is about that, but that there's still some tension and anxiety. I think that people have that you see, and it's sort of an underlying uh, thought in the unconscious mind, perhaps that's there. And it's, I don't know, it's an opportunity then to, you know, when you see people suffering, you see someone that's, you know, all worked up about something that that's jump in, you know, mm -hmm. to take yourself out of that. How can you help? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be there for them. Offer them some space. That's the ultimate uh, form of emptiness of the self. Yeah. Well, they say, right. The, one of the uh, qualities of a, of the Buddha was being able to, or a Buddha is being able to, uh, you know, morph into whatever is required at the time. There you go. And so if you're stuck on a self, it's pretty hard to do that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Should we continue? Yeah. So he just, uh, again, he's just saying, right, just because you get a break from being having a mental uh, affliction doesn't mean you understand selflessness. <laughs> yeah, you got to analyze. Okay, here we go. In this way, 
by entering into the suchness of the selflessness of persons and phenomena, you are free from concepts and analysis because there is nothing to be thoroughly examined and observed. You are free from expression and with single-pointed mental engagement, you automatically enter into meditation without exertion. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, you very clearly meditate on suchness and abide in it. While abiding in that meditation, the continuity of the mind should not be distracted. When the mind is distracted to external objects due to attachment and so forth, such distractions should be noted. Quickly pacify the distraction by meditating on the repulsive aspect of such objects and swiftly replace the mind on suchness. If the mind appears to be disinclined to do that, reflecting on the advantages of single-pointed concentration, meditate with delight. The disinclination should be pacified by also seeing the defects of distraction. There's a lot there. There is a lot there. And again, he's saying, okay, you know, I think he's also nicely pointing out that it's uh, stillness and wisdom, calm abiding and insight. So what he's saying here is, whoever this meditator is, they perhaps haven't quite gone over dullness and distraction. So yeah. they're still working on their shamatha. Yeah. But guess what they're doing? They're thinking about emptiness. You know, they you don't have to reach shamatha before that. And in fact, they help each other. So uh, again, he's saying, if you get distracted, take it seriously. Mm -hmm. Do something about it. And then he also threw in joyful effort there. He says, yeah. if, if you're disinclined, uh, meditate with delight. Yeah. So I've never heard that before. There's always, there's different ways like if you if you have excitation or dullness i've never heard to bring in some joy yeah bring in some joy uh sometimes uh what i found over the years is if if the mind starts getting well you know what to tell you the truth uh whenever i've gotten like disinclined it would be whenever it became less personal and I felt like I was following instruction to the point of like really not even thinking about it too much and uh, kind of veered away from the excitement of the, the self-exploration and, and the discovery that's just like waiting there. Uh, and I, I've always found, okay, I'm, if I'm getting bored, then I need to get excited about something. And then I, I would always adapt this thing like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm exploring the moon, right? Or I'm exploring the universe, but it happens to be like inside my heart chakra. It's it's a mysterious place that's somewhere in there that that's waiting to be discovered. Uh, and that would usually get me excited. Um, and there's certainly enough options. There is. <laughs> After you've yeah. studied Buddhism for a while, I mean, you, I think it'd be hard to be bored. Maybe you're on a particular, doing one particular meditation, but then I think the... Uh, antidote to that is we'll do another one then mm -hmm. if you're doing one and you're doing it too long and you're bored with it then well then hop on another one yeah sure. i remember you used to say like okay you know do do death awareness for six weeks six weeks okay and then just pick something else right he would say that uh and that, that's effective i've never done say i can do a week on something 
that was sort of what we were doing at Three Jewels. We'd meet weekly mm -hmm. in the weekly, class. Yeah. yeah. That was helpful because yeah. you are thinking about it. Maybe by Wednesday, you're a little off the mark a little bit, but you bring it mm -hmm. back around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I always found too, uh, if, uh, if you understand a subtle body and you've done a bit of that stuff, you know, you can focus on the third eye or something like that. Like something bright, you know, can get your, get your energy up. It's dangerous. But he's saying like, if you're distracted, then use emptiness. Like, okay, you know, consider the emptiness of the thing that you're attracted to. Yeah. And so he's, you know, use the very thing you're trying to do as, as the antidote to the distraction from it. Yeah. That's, would you consider that eating the poison or is that something a little different? I think that's a little different. Okay. Uh, but I think it, it, that would be more like eating the poison. I think that's, that's more like sprinkling an antidote on it or something. Hmm. Cause eating the poison is more like, uh, like a low jung thing where, you know, someone, someone, uh, calls you a name, right. That, you know, insults you. It's like the peacock eats the poison and lives. So it's like you stop the cycle. Someone insults you and you know where you know where that comes from. You know it's a karma planted from the past and you don't retaliate. You eat the poison. That's right? a very bodhi, bodhisattva, bodhicitta yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, that's why. Yeah, it's peacock. The bodhisattva is a peacock. And so they say they, they just, they don't respond in kind to anger. They don't respond. So they eat the poison. Yeah. Hmm. You know, there's so many, maybe it's there, just the, the news in general in the world, but how come we don't sort of celebrate bodhisattvas as much as we do? Let's just say non-bodhisattva type of people, you know, where's, yeah. where's that emphasis? Because I think, I think there's more uh, bodhisattvas out there than there are people that are egocentric and, and greedy and, and destructive. I, I sure meet a lot of kind people. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I don't buy into the narrative of, of the news because yeah. I can see around. I mean, obviously if something happens, but this idea, oh, this is a, a trend in, in the world or the way people are thinking. No, it's not. That's just yeah. it's your article. Well, I was talking to my sister today and she was talking about how many people uh, she's inspired by and that she has so many people that she's been inspired by in her life. And yeah. it's not because they've done anything glorious. It's because of their kindness. And she's sure. she's... You know, she went through a, a house fire situation and, you know, then suddenly she sees all these people that are just opening their hearts to her Yeah. in all directions, mm. right? That's, yeah, the bodhisattvas are coming out of the woodwork and saying, you know, what do you need, right? Yeah, if you give them the opportunity, give people yeah. the opportunity, they certainly rise to the occasion. Yeah. We're two verses away from finishing this chapter. I know, I think we should go for it. Eh? Should we nail it? Okay. Yeah. Say on page 30, uh, if the function of the mind <clears throat> becomes, okay, we're talking about the same thing. If the function of the mind becomes unclear and starts to sink, or when there is a risk of it sinking due to being overpowered by mental torpor or sleep, then as before, quickly attempt to overcome such dullness by focusing the mind on supremely delightful things. Then the object suchness should be held in a very tight focus. At times, when the mind is observed to be excited or tempted to become distracted, oh, that's a you're on it if you know you're tempted to become distracted. 
by the memory of past events of laughter and play then as in the earlier cases pacify the distraction by reflecting on such things as impermanence and so forth mm -hmm. which will help subdue subdue the mind then again endeavor to engage the mind on suchness without applying counterforces yeah i think you nailed it there yeah. if you're catching yourself about to be uh slip into dullness or excitation take note of that because that's a you're in a different territory now oh yeah yeah you're you're cooking it's good yeah notice how it's like always a balance right it's a balance just getting balancing this dullness and agitation and just getting yourself in the zone and then effortlessness and then use effort when is required and then effortlessness just always 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 um last verse oh my gosh this is true. of the chapter of the chapter <laughs> oh, oh here we go <clears throat> if and when the mind spontaneously engages in meditation on suchness ooh, free of sinking and mental agitation it should be left naturally and your efforts should be relaxed so this is where he's saying do not apply don't fix it if it's not broken right it should be left naturally and your efforts should be relaxed if effort is applied when the mind is in meditative equipoise it will distract the mind but if effort is not applied when the mind becomes dull it will become like a blind man due to extreme dullness and you will not achieve special insight so when the mind becomes dull apply effort and when in absorption effort should be relaxed when by meditating on special insight excessive wisdom is generated and calm abiding is weak the mind will waver like a butter lamp in the wind and you will not perceive suchness very clearly therefore at that time meditate on calm abiding when calm abiding meditation becomes excessive meditate on wisdom right so you can get too excited about emptiness is what he's saying you know oh yeah yeah getting all excited and then you you, you know suddenly uh oh i better just get back to shamatha here and calm the yeah uh, calm myself down and then go at it again <laughs> you know i was struck by this the very first line when the mind spontaneously engages mm -hmm. in meditation on suchness mm -hmm. you're not even trying mm -hmm. and boom you drop into it like you might think, oh, I've never experienced emptiness, or I sit down and I, I have to practice to do it, and and it's not spontaneous. But you could sort of proactively at least imagine what that's like, and thinking about that brings it into present awareness, and sort of helps cultivate it. Almost, it's almost like you're, you know, you're you're seeding the future a little bit. Uh, was it? Was it uh, Lama Alexander uh, one time he had us do an exercise where uh, you, you put your hand, you're sitting there and you just put your hand on the ground like the Buddha did just before he was enlightened. With, and uh, what was that called? He Like some testimony to the earth or something like that. I don't I remember what that's that. called, but I, yeah. I, I, I remember that teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was saying something to the effect of imagine it's the uh, it's the moment of your enlightenment. I mean, you're doing this work. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. um just because and i'm speaking about myself of course just because you're wasting your whole life and you're not going to hit it this lifetime or so you think 
Um, but at least try that. See how it is going to feel at some point in your three countless eon journey. <laughs> right? And similarly here, maybe you think, oh, I can't, I've never spontaneously engaged in meditation on suchness. Well, think about what that might be like. What would that feel like? And that, that actually might cultivate it, right? Yeah. Help absolutely. cultivate it anyway. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the interesting point that is <laughs> when you actually fall into meditation on suchness, it is always spontaneous because you can never choose. Mm. Right? So it's, it's great exercise to do exactly what you're saying. Uh, it's like, uh, it's like, I don't know, re rewiring the thought pattern around how to accomplish what you want to accomplish in meditation by thinking these kinds of uh, thoughts, <laughs> you know, like that, isn't it? Isn't it wild how that is? It's almost Yoda-esque, I could say. There's no yeah. try do. Yeah. Like I, one of the examples I really love about is, uh, you know, if you're sitting with somebody, everyone's had this experience where you, uh, you have this really nice connection with somebody and then maybe someone says something that's just, just right. And you both go into, um, a, a laughing fit, you know, and like the world drops away, mm-hmm. you know, you've forgotten yourself. And you're kind of sort of aware of the other person, but you're, you've entered this realm, right? Um, and it's, it's unsustainable. I mean, you can't live your life in a laughing fit, but it can prompt you into, uh, you know, kind of thinking about what's, what's going on here right now. And the mind can kind of panic and it, and it brings it to an end. Mm-hmm. You know, like the thought process brings it to an end where something completely spontaneous happened. Or another example of that is uh, if you, you know, you're in love or you have a very loving moment with somebody and you both know you're there and the space opens up and be looking to each other's eyes and there's a vacuity mm-hmm. and a fullness at the same time. And you can have almost a not almost in a way a non conceptual experience because all the previous concepts of what you thought you were and what you thought they were have just been spontaneously evaporated. Right. And it may be five minutes, maybe half an hour, maybe two seconds, but it's spontaneous. You never get to choose it. And as soon as the thinking mind gets in and tries to analyze it, the candle goes out. It just snuffs out the whole thing. Well, if you have a concept about someone or something and it gets blown away, that's evidence to you um, that that's coming from you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. not like you, you need to jump all the way into non-conceptuality about everything about your reality. No. But you can you can sort of do it piecemeal as you're walking around. You know, yeah. every, every little moment that's, that's happening, every mental, uh, everything that's crossing across your mind image or, or thought or whatever it may be you can yeah, look yeah. at that and go oh yeah I, I conceive of that as a good thing or as an omen or as something i need to do something about could be anything could be anything yeah and as long as you're just paying attention hmm. 
Yeah. It's hard, you know, to, for most people, I think to, it says, okay, you're in this spontaneous place with suchness and the natural human busy mind wants to do something. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's saying, don't know you're there as best you can and don't do anything because, uh, you're, you, you want to get to, you want to do, well, cruise control is what you want. So like, as soon as you can do it, as soon as you can get to this sub suchness absorption meditation, you know, you should do it as often as possible for as long as possible, you know, and keep coming back to it, hmm. to this like objectless state again and again, after a while it would become easy and then you can cruise and then you're not too tight, not too loose. But this, and then it's like you're, you're allowing the miracle to take place, really, just by being there. You're allowing the miracle to take place by being there without getting involved. Yeah. You know, easier said mm. than done, but it, uh, it can be done. Yeah. Yeah, I like that cruise control yeah. analogy. Yeah. I was uh, listening to a talk by uh, Fuck. Fuck Chuck Rinpoche. Hmm. And he was talking about, you know, in, in Tibetan Buddhism, we meditate with our eyes open, right? Mm -hmm. Very various reasons for that. But he was saying, you know, should he gave a couple other animal examples. Uh, I can't remember them right now, but he was saying, in this case, you're like a lion, you know, just sort of look, looking around, looking around. It's that type of focus and that type of power um it's almost like the cruise control of your of your the way that you're looking at what's in front of you mm -hmm. kind of settle into that yeah and reach practice tease with it mm. beautiful thing cool well we did it oh my gosh wow. we should uh, be proud of ourselves I think uh, a dedication is in order. Okay, let's do, do a dedication. Think? Yeah, because next we're going into unifying method and wisdom, and that'll be the last chapter of the book. Of the... It is, isn't it? Yeah. Now that, haven't we been doing that? Uh, it, we... uh, it does seem like that, doesn't it? It does seem like that. So stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our loving audience and... Yeah. Uh, so uh, I doubt, I'm just kind of scrolling here. I doubt if we'll finish next week nah, based yeah. on uh, past results. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a nice journey of that um, combination of those two, of that unification. Yes. A dedication. Okay. Master Shantideva was uh, really, really a big, big advocate of this practice of pointing your time spent at something, picking something that you would like your time spent um, to be, you know, invested in, in a way, you could say. 
and in a way it's a, just a nice way to to think you know it's a nice way to think like there's a result whatever we do with our mind whatever we do with our body will bring a result so here now we go into a brief meditation with this intention of hmm, what would i like this time spent together to bring in buddhism you know it's almost always going to involve somebody else right so how can this time that we spent together benefit somebody else so in your mind if you're driving pull over in your mind think to yourself who could use some help who in your life is suffering and have you noticed that any time that we suffer that the mental part of the suffering is always you could say the worst or magnifies the suffering confusion blame not understanding the the total unfairness you know of samsaric existence so just aside now that your time together with us all of us together with this motivation to clear all confusion and see reality in the clear light of dawn Imagine that result being golden light spilling out of your heart and being directed at and filling these people that you would like to see free. See, by the power of what we just done together, may all these beings that you see, whoever it is, whether it's one person or countless, whoever, whoever, May they be free. They deserve to be free. May they be free. And imagine it happening, spilling out of your heart and filling them with light and being so excited about their freedom and rejoice, get excited about someone else's liberation. Imagine it happening. Feel the relief. Rejoice. And then let that light come back, withdraw, and rest in your heart.
where we can simply sit for a few moments. You could say in this calm, abiding focus on the warmth in your heart. But just thought of others. Just rest there. And then as you are ready, gently come out of the dedication meditation. You know, and if you if you feel some kind of measure of you know, a melting of the heart and a warmth of the heart, uh, you know, and you've got stuff to do, see if you can stay relaxed there and see if the next person that you see, uh, the next person that you see, can you, can you have that softness in your heart uh, as you gaze upon them? And maybe it can be another person and another and another. That's all.